You are listening to the podcast of the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. CBNW exists to promote the Bible's teaching on men, women, and marriage. Learn more at cbnw.org. The Danvers Statement summarizes the need for the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood and serves as an overview of our core beliefs. This statement was prepared by several evangelical leaders at a CBMW meeting in Danvers, Massachusetts in December of 1987. And in this podcast series, we are walking through the Danvers Statement line by line as we discuss the statement's biblical basis and ethical implications. I'm Colin Smothers, Executive Director of CBMW. And my name is Denny Burke. I'm the President of CBMW. On this episode, we're continuing to look at the purposes of the Danvers Statement. So let's look at the first one. It says that we aim to study and set forth the biblical view of the relationship between men and women, especially in the home and in the church. Yeah, I think it's kind of bold that they said the biblical view. Hmm. Um, The biblical view, meaning it's not a biblical view as if there's more than one perspective on this, but that the Bible does actually have a content and does actually have a, a specified teaching about the relationship between men and women. And we do believe that. And the whole reason that our organization exists, the whole reason that we're doing this podcast is because we believe that what the Bible says can be known. And we know, we believe that the Bible is clear about the relationship between men and women, and we need to believe it and we need to live it out. But it's it's interesting that they said the biblical view not a biblical view, and it's because there is an amount of confidence and certainty that we can have about the Bible's teaching on these things. You know, I've also heard critique about the use of the adjective biblical, as if we shouldn't deploy that, even in our name, the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. What would you say to critics that say we shouldn't use that adjective biblical? Oh, I hear that too, and the, the criticism usually goes something like this. Well, what about Abraham and his his wives? That's biblical. What about Jacob and his four wives and all their dysfunctions? That's biblical. Um, in other words, they point to all these um, instances in the Bible that they see as dysfunctional or that don't you know, match what they think uh, manhood and womanhood ought to be, and they say, why don't you count that? Um, you know, what about you know certain provisions in the law that look like you know unequitable treatment? Um, um, I would just say, um, first of all, there are no errors in the Bible. There's nothing wrong in the Bible. There's nothing deficient in the Bible. But when we talk about an inerrant Bible, we, that doesn't mean that the people that the Bible writes about are inerrant. Um, obviously the, what we see, like for instance, in, in polygamy in the old Testament was not God's original design. There's a reason that you had all this dysfunction with it because it wasn't a part of what God established in the garden. So when we say biblical manhood and womanhood, we don't mean um, the errant forms that appear in the pages and narratives of Scripture. We were talking about um, what the overall message of the Bible is. And there is, from Genesis to Revelation, a coherence that's there and about what God intends for men and women, what their design is in terms of procreation, how that is fitted within the covenant of marriage, how a man is supposed to love his wife, how a wife is supposed to affirm the leadership of her husband. And, you know, sometimes biblical characters fall short of those things. Ironically, they fall short of biblical manhood and womanhood, right? Uh, But what we mean by biblical manhood and womanhood is what the Bible requires of us. That's, that's, That's all that we mean. And there's nothing evasive or ironic about that. It's just that we believe the Bible's teaching is coherent. That's right. The other critique I've heard around this word is 
people charge us with a almost a pretense that we have the biblical view while other people were saying don't have the biblical view. But I think that's a wrongheaded critique because don't we all want to base our positions on the Bible? Like if I have a position that's not biblical, then I'm going to want to go towards the biblical position. So I think that that sort of critique just doesn't make sense in a, uh, in a Protestant Reformed understanding of the Scriptures, where we want to base our Bible or base our teaching on, on what the Bible teaches. Anybody who's an evangelical who believes in the authority of Scripture, they're going to be basing their beliefs upon the Bible, and they're going to say that they believe what they believe because the Bible teaches it. I don't know how else to talk about these things. Now, I understand that that creates certain tensions with fellow evangelicals with whom we have differences. Um, you know, I think I hold to a biblical view of baptism as a Baptist. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? My Presbyterian friends think they hold to a biblical view of baptism as Presbyterians. Right. That Now, just because we both call them biblical doesn't mean they're both right. Okay, but we are you know, both trying to base our beliefs on the Bible. So I, I don't have any problem saying that egalitarians are trying to base their beliefs on the Bible. You can go back uh, on YouTube and watch my debate um, from a year or two ago with Ronald Pierce, you know, a very well-known egalitarian teaches out at, uh, at Talbot Theological Seminary. We debated this. Nobody watching that video is going to come away thinking that Ronald Pierce is not trying to base his views on the Bible. Now, I still don't think his view is biblical because I don't think it's what the Bible actually teaches. Okay. <laughs> but I, I acknowledge that he's trying to base it on the Bible. I just don't think it's faithful to what the Bible is actually saying. So I, I just don't see, you know, any problem rhetorically with saying that we're trying to set forth the biblical view. All we mean by that is we're just trying to set forth what the Bible means when it talks about being a man and when it talks about being a woman. And the biblical view in uh, in view here, and the purpose is the relationship between men and women, especially in the home and the church. Why are those two spheres called out here in the first purpose? Well, because we're it's a limited document, right? This is not a, a document that comprehensively spells out in detail exactly how men and women are going to relate to one another in every single sphere of life. Now, I think Danvers has implications for other spheres of life that aren't listed here. But the framers were very clearly trying to say something very specific about how men and women relate to one another in marriage, that's in the home, Mm -hmm. and then how men and women relate to one another uh, vis-a-vis the leadership structures of a church. And so that's the ecclesial context. So in the home, there's this idea of headship and helpership that need to be clarified and defined. And you know, um, done so in a way that corresponds with what the Bible says. And then in the church, there's this idea of leadership within the church and the, the uh, governing role within the church. You know, in our context, we don't have bishops and, you know, like, like some other denominations do. We have elders and pastors and um, uh, overseers. Okay, I was trying to say elder, pastor, overseer, and I was losing the last term. We have elder, pastor, overseer. That's our leadership office. And so, you know, churches are going to have to talk about, okay, who inhabits the office and the functions of the elder pastor overseer? Who's going to, who's going to do that? And so really Danvers, the, the, the ones who were originally um, writing Danvers were trying to speak to those two major spheres because that was the, the, the most fundamental thing that had to be resolved first. Well, and also we should say that these are the spheres that the Bible speaks most clearly to. Um, such that to get these wrong would to be really to implicate the rest of your biblical hermeneutic, right? 
Oh, absolutely. Now, you'll see a lot about design and God's design and creation when you're reading through Danvers. But when you start talking about creation design, that has impact for all spheres of life. Right. And there's no way that you won't have uh, opinions about, you know, how, how men and women relate to one another in the workplace, for example, or, um, you know, to, to what extent uh, men and women could be or women could be in leadership outside of the home and the church. Now, those are questions, though, that even complementarians, they don't all agree with each other about them. Um, you'll see different opinions amongst complementarians. So I think creation design has implications, but not all complementarians agree with those impl- what those implications are right. and how to apply it. So, I mean, that that's just a reality. But where you want, you have seen traditionally a kind of unity is about how these issues are cashed out in the home and in the church. Well, I think that the, even the way that it's laid out here and then in the way the Danvers Statement is laid out, it follows the biblical data where you have the home and the church, you have the creation of Adam and Eve in the garden as a household, and then you have the church established afterwards with uh, with the way that the man and the woman relate in the home affecting how the church is going to be ordered, and then the way that the rest of society uh, is ordered as Im- as implicated downstream of all those things. So there is even a logical order to, to that purpose in the Dammer Statement. The second purpose says that we aim to promote the publication of scholarly and popular materials representing this view. What are we getting at here? Well, really on this one, when you it's it's talking about the purposes of the Danvers statement, but really it's talking about the purposes of the organization that the Danvers statement was going to constitute after this. So, the Danvers statement was agreed to, but then they formed an organization called the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, and which is obviously the host of this podcast and that you and I are working for. Um, but the organization was formed so that you could you know coordinate and encourage actual publications of materials that would try to promote this view. And so in 1987, when they came up with the Danvers Statement, they very quickly, right after that, began work on a major volume addressing all the issues, a really comprehensive uh, treatment of the complementarian case. And that book is called Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. You can still buy it online. You can um, you can even download it for free as a PDF from our, our website, um, but that book is still out there. And, and honestly, even though it's a super long book and it's got you know a ton of different authors in it, it's still the hallmark book representing the complementarian view. Um, the, the conversation has gone on from there. There are some things in there that you could say could be updated, but when it comes to articulating the basic biblical and theological basis for the view. Not a whole lot has changed. Um, it, it's it really holds up over time, and it's why you still see people referring back to it so often. And that's what our council and our board has been doing ever since its inception. Not only that, but we've also been publishing an academic journal. It used to be called the Journal for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. It used to be an editor of JBMW, Denny. But also, we now publish Icon, Journal for Biblical Anthropology, biannually. Where publishing articles just exactly in view of this purpose, uh, scholarly and popular materials representing this view of biblical complementarity. Yeah, and this podcast, our website, all of that is a function of trying to promote this view, and it's what this organization was formed for, and it's it's why these guys came together initially 30-some-odd years ago uh, to, to publish the Danvers Statement. 
Which gets to those third and fourth purposes, uh, where we say to encourage the confidence of lay people to study and understand for themselves the teaching of Scripture, especially on the issue of relationships between men and women, and then also to encourage the considered and sensitive application of this biblical view in the appropriate spheres of life. That's what those scholarly and those popular materials are, are getting at. Yeah, that's right. We're not trying to create some sort of esoteric uh, mountain of scholarship that people can't access. We really want to serve churches. We want to serve churches. Um, we want to ser- serve ministries and denominations. We want to give um, help to them as they're trying to understand what the Bible teaches. And and so that that's the real goal here. And, and I really like the language because it says to encourage the confidence of lay people to study and understand for themselves the teaching of Scripture. We want people to be able to pick up the Bible and understand it and to understand how to deal with some of the difficult passages that are disputed today and to understand how to interpret for themselves with the conviction that the, the Scripture is clear and that it's not you know, hidden behind some veil that only scholars can get behind. But to show people that what the Bible teaches is good and it's clear and it's exactly what we need to be believing and applying to our lives. Right, and has application of this view in every appropriate sphere of life. In other words, we're not just men and women in the home. We're not just men and women in the church. We're men and women everywhere we go. And the Bible has something to say about that. Absolutely. And if you believe believe what the Bible says about creation design, you know that it's going to have implications beyond just the church and the home. And to encourage believers to try to work those out and to, to live into and trust the Scripture and what God has revealed to us. Resources like the CBMW podcast are made possible by generous donations from listeners like you. Please consider giving at cbmw.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening.